0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Authentic spiritual growth. So when I think of something authentic, I think of something real. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with all types of food and whether it's the real authentic food. Um, But I think of growth and with having growth... You could either go about it the, the, the quick way, the, the, the rich, quick schemes, um, which, again, don't last, um, or, you know, they're false. Um, but I think of something that's long-lasting, something that takes hard work. And I think in, in our Christian life, it's going to take work. It's going to take hard work. It's not easy. And one of the quotes that I, uh, I uncovered a couple years ago, was the things that you value most in life were hard to get. The things that you value most in your life, they're hard to get. It's going to take work. It's going to take long-lasting effort and energy. And, and when it comes to having real authentic growth, it's going to take work. You know, I think of people that want to get strong and, and take steroids, right? They're trying to go about it the easy way, right? Right? You know, we try to cut corners. You know, there's just different things that we can try to go and, and, and try to get the, the quick way. But what I've come to realize in the Christian life, in life itself, is we have to go through a process. And I also know that, you know, and I'm learning this each and every day, <clears throat> it's, it's one thing to get the victories, right? You know, go from one victory to the next victory to the next victory. But you're thinking of the next victory, right, or you're thinking of the next thing, but you tend to not, you tend to not enjoy the process leading and getting the victory. All the hard work. You think of all the teams that, whether it won a championship or, um, you know, Super Bowl or uh, whatever the case is, <clears throat> or being the top in, you know, in their, uh, in their field, right, winning an award, president's club, whatever the case is, it takes work. But if you don't enjoy the process leading up to it, you don't really appreciate the accomplishment that you had or that you, you know, that you um, wind up winning. So I even think we should have real authentic growth. But at the same time, we need to enjoy the process of getting spiritually stronger with the Lord each and every day. Right. So. So having authentic spiritual growth. One essence of life is growth. Someone once said, if you're not growing, you're dying. I think one will find true purpose when you decide to grow. When you decide to grow. God has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you don't know what that plan is, He wants to show you what that plan is. But if you decide that you're not going to grow, you're not going to get to that plan and purpose that God specifically has for you. So let's decide that no matter what, each and every day, we're going to do everything we can to grow. And in order to grow, you have to figure out what God's plan and purpose is. I learned this a long time ago. All you have to do, again, I just mentioned not having all the abilities. If you say yes to God each and every single day, he's going to give you everything you need to be Uh, to be successful or to just grow throughout your life, throughout the trials and tribulations. God will help you. God will give you the tools that you need. I would hope, obviously, we're the cream of the crop here. We came here today so we can grow, so we can get something and grow. You know, every single time on Sunday when I pick up uh, the people from Lakewood and sometimes how before we come inside, you know, I have a word of prayer with them and we come in and we have the service, but the prayer that I pray almost every week is, Lord, I pray that you help us to be better Christians today than we were yesterday. Help us to be better people today than we were yesterday. Why? Because I know that we, we can't go through the motions. We have to grow each and every, every day. Just as a seed grows into a plant, and an infant to a mature adult, so Christians need to have that Christ-likeness. When growth is hindered, and different ways growth can be hindered, is malnutrition, right? You think of uh, d- different diseases as a way that could cause growth to stop. You could think of a, a birth defect could hinder growth. The results <clears throat> can be tragic. The results can be tragic. You know, I think of uh, even Levi's heart defect. He had two holes in his heart, and that prevented, if he were to continue to grow, that would cause a, a, a big problem. So I'm glad that we got that treated, but we all need to think. There's different things in life that can cause us to, or that can hinder us from not growing. After all, immature Christians cannot fully appreciate all the blessings and privileges that God has reserved for them, nor serve him with the usefulness he desires. See, when I think of immature Christian, they're limiting the blessings that they can receive each and every day. They're limiting the privileges that they can take advantage of every single day. Why? Because they're immature. They're not receiving the blessings. They're not receiving the privileges. God has reserved for them, nor serve him with his youthfulness and his desires. So God wants to give them their desires, but God also wants to help them. I want you to to look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. John 15, verses 4 and 5, says this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine; ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. See, God wants to give us the kingdom. God wants to give us the kingdom. God wants to help us and and guide us each and every day. And all He says is, "Listen, you abide in me. You remain in me. Listen, we'll grow." I'll give you what you need to grow. You just have to abide in me. You just have to abide in me. If we dwell with God and continue to remain in his ways, he will bear fruit through us. That's a great privilege. That's a great privilege to be use of God. So we talk about spiritual growth. Just for a second, we're going to talk a little bit about physical growth, right? Um, I think of physical growth and, you know, we all have a responsibility to put forth, you know, effort and growth. And and God gives us power, even physically, to be able to, you know, become stronger, right? And, you know, you think of some of the athletes that talk about, man, you know, my God-given ability, just being able to perform at a high level, right? God gives us the power. He gives us what we need, even physically. So I think of, you know, even last year, I was motivated last year. I texted a Even a couple of you guys in here, listen, we're going to go, we're going to do insanity, we're going to work out in the morning, wake up 4.30 in the morning, we're going to hit the ground running, we're going to work out, you know, in three months, we'll all lose 150 pounds, and we'll be good, right, we'll be in shape, right, and, you know, I think, you know, we did it for some time, we did it for a couple, you know, some of us, we did it for about two months, right, and, you know, wind up, you know, it didn't work out, right, Uh, basketball season came, and that was good. Right, but then after basketball season, you know, there wasn't really a process in place. We stopped doing it, and you know, now a year later, we're in the same boat, <laughs> or at least for me, in the same boat. Right? So you th- you think of that process, right? You think of the effort. Um, you know, so to make me feel better last week, I went enjoy join L.A. Fitness in Howell. You know, so hopefully, you know, build a process there and and go and. Have results, you know, come January, fresh and anew, right? Um, so, but I had to put forth effort, right? Physically, I have to put forth effort. It's, it's one thing to say something, but it's another thing to do something, right? Spiritual growth ultimately depends on God's power, <clears throat> but it also requires the element <clears throat> of human responsibility. God wants us to grow, but there's an element to that. And that element, we have to put forth effort. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have, also, have always obeyed, <clears throat> not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. Now, I think about when I was growing up and, you know, you know, my parents were maybe leaving the house and they said, hey, William, we're leaving the house. You need to make sure that all your chores are done. You need to go and work and get all this done because we're coming back. I need you to make sure it's done. Right? So, I would either do it or not do it or saw them pulling up in the driveway and had a Russian do it, right? But I had to work it out. I'm their child. I had to work out being their child and make sure that the responsibilities that they get, have given me, that it got done, right? When I think of this verse, right, these verses are talking about growth because of salvation, not getting Salvation, right? When you work a job, you don't work a job to be an employee. You work because you're an employee. So you don't work to be a Christian. Rather, you work and try to be Christ-like because you are a Christian. That's working it out. So we take a look at who is the one that works That does the work. So if you look at that verse 13 there, in that verse that I just talked about, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, God does the work. God's the one that does the work. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. See, God gives us the grace. God gives us salvation as a gift. But we can't boast about anything that we have. Because it's all God. God does all the work. God God did everything for us. And he will do the work with you if you will let him. Peter commanded believers to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, verse 18. While Paul exhorted them to be therefore followers of God as dear children, in Ephesians 5, 1, Paul also set forth spiritual growth goals, an ultimate growth goal, right? If you could take your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. The Bible says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul realized, listen, we need to be setting goals. Let me ask you this. Are you setting goals? I know we just talked about New Year's and uh, a new year and us setting goals. But are you setting goals? Are you setting physical goals? Are you setting mental goals? Things that are gonna make you more, uh, you know, give you a more, more of an intellect or just give you more knowledge? Are you setting goals for your mental state? What about spiritual? Are you setting some spiritual goals? What about recreational? You setting recreational goals. What about social goals? So New Year, are we setting goals? What about your relational goals, the relationships that you have, relationships that you want to create? Are you setting goals? Are you growing? You say, Pastor, listen, I come to church every single Sunday. I read my Bible every single day. I'm physically, I mean, I'm spiritually strong. Okay, that's great. You're spiritually strong. But how are you socially? How are you you, you when you talk to people? Like, how are your relationships with your, your spouse, your kids, you know, your friends and family? Oh, you don't understand. I come to church. I'm here all this. Uh, that's great. But where are you with your relationships? Where are you? Like, what are you learning? Like, it's great to learn the Bible, but what, what are you learning? Right? Let's set some goals. Listen, we need to grow. We need to grow as a Christian, but we need to grow all around. We need to be all around an all-around Christian, so we could relate and so we could, again, reach the lost. If we, don't, if we have nothing to talk about, how can we reach them? Right? It's great to preach the Bible, and there's power in prayer, and, 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 and you know, the word of God changes life, but what I'm saying is we need to decide that, listen, we're going to grow in all aspects of our life. Paul understood that. He understood the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He realized, listen, the ultimate goal bar none, is to be Christ-like. i got to do everything I can. i got to be like Christ. The way Christ thinks, the way Christ talks, how he interacts with people, the things that he knows. Listen, I have to do everything I can to be like Christ. In discussing, discussing spiritual growth, it is important to address several misconceptions that must be carefully avoided. So listen, there's ways for us to grow, but then there's also things that we realize, listen, I think it's growth, but it's actually misconception. It's really not growth. And people measure certain aspects of people's lives and say, oh, they're they're a strong Christian. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Or I'm a strong Christian because of this and that. Well, there's six different misconceptions, right? Misconception number one, spiritual growth does not determine the believer's standing in grace before God. I just mentioned Christ does all the work. I just He does all the work in order for us to be justified, right? In order for us to have a home in heaven, He's the one that does all the work. Spiritual growth does not determine the believer's standing, how we are with God, and the amount of grace we get from God. Because, man, who, man, I'm, I'm somebody, right? I got the growth, so I must have more grace. Than some of the people here. It doesn't work like that. Grace has given you something you don't deserve. He gives it all to us, all the grace we could ever need. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning, right? That's why He gives us His grace. <clears throat> the Bible also says in Ephesians 1.13, In whom you also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. No matter what, all of us, if you trust Christ as your personal Savior, every single one of us gets eternal life. Every single one of us gets God's grace. We'll get all of God's grace. You won't get more than me. I won't get more than you. We all have access to all the grace we need. Spiritual growth does not determine believers standing in grace before God. That's number one. Number two, Another misconception. Spiritual growth does not affect God's love for believers. Spiritual growth does not affect God's love for believers. He doesn't love the, the more mature believers than the less mature. Oh, I'm gonna love you because you've been doing this a whole lot longer than, than somebody right here. Or you're mature, your your maturity God must love that person more than he loves me. I got to do whatever I can to get on their level so God can love me more. You know, and this, this sounds crazy, but just a, a couple years ago, right, that, that blew my mind. What? Like, you're saying I don't have to have to do all these different things and, and be here and be here, and if I don't show up here, and like, you're saying that God's going to still love me as much as if I did it? Like, that blew my mind. But that's a misconception, spiritual growth. Listen, God is going to love us regardless, right? Just like you have kids, regardless of what they do, where they're at in their life right now, the decisions they make, whether they love you, don't love you, whether they're talking to you, not talking to you, regardless, no matter what, you're going to love them unconditionally. They're your kids. We're a child of God. We have a home in heaven. No matter what, God's going to do everything to show us that he loves us and that we all have all the love that God can give. Luke chapter 22, you know, it's a story of the disciples arguing on the night of the crucifixion. You know, they were, they were, they were arguing, and, and, you know, obviously this is a sensitive time. Literally, Jesus is about to go to the cross. They were being insensitive to what was about to take place, but Christ continued to love them Till the end, and Christ will continue to love you. Toward the end, misconception number three: spiritual growth is not measured by the calendar. It's not measured by the calendar. People have been believers for many years and are often less mature. uh, are, Are often less mature than others who have been believers, than other believers who have been believers for a much shorter time. I wonder why that is. <clears throat> People that have been doing it for a whole lot longer they're just not like their spiritual growth something happens there's something stagnant happens you know and so some of the things I think is maybe inadequate study or instruction in the word they're they're not they're not in the book they're not you know, looking at certain things, learning and growing, right, maybe they're not setting the goals that they, that, they, that they need to set, maybe on the spiritual side and, you know, just maybe on the mental side just to learn and maybe they didn't do that, right, maybe too busy or they don't think they need to study, they'll just show up at church and they'll hear it at church, like they're faithful, right, they come they come anytime the church doors are open so like that's their way of growing and they they and see that's the thing they think they're growing that's their sp- they think spiritual growth and when other people see them they say oh man they're here all the time so man they're probably man they're probably like a they're probably like 100% spiritual i remember one time somebody told me that like man this person here they they said their name man, they're they're probably like 100% spiritual. Like right now, I mean, you know, I'm trying, I'm working. I'm probably like 70%. Well, actually, you know, I'm probably like 80%. <laughs> That's what they said. But so you think like that mentality, right? Like they measure it by them showing up, being here and all that. And again, there's nothing wrong with being here. We, of course, we want you to be here. We want you to be involved. But we're talking about spiritual growth and how some people measure that. Right? If you could turn your Bible to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll look at verses 1 through 3. And, and again, we're talking about spiritual growth is not measured by the calendar. The Bible says here, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So we see this church was a carnal church. They've been doing it a while, but they're carnal. And they couldn't get the spiritual meat. They couldn't, they couldn't grow. They couldn't have that authentic growth. Why? Maybe because they didn't want to. Maybe they thought, well, being here is growth. And maybe I don't want to challenge myself and I don't want to maybe go, this is a big one, I don't want to go out of my comfort zone. Because I, because I want to be in my comfort zone, I'm not going to do anything that's going to make me uncomfortable. So I'm not going to grow. And the the Corinthian church, maybe they decided, you know what? I'm here. Pastor, I'm here, but that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get from me. I'm just going to show up. I think that's growth. I'm here. But you know what? That's a misconception. It's not growth. Hence, they were having problems. There was strife, envyings. Just a lot of drama going on because they thought they were growing when they really were not growing. Misconception number four. Spiritual growth is unrelated to the amount of theological information believers know. Spiritual growth is unrelated to the amount of theological information believers know. See, they had all the knowledge, but they didn't have the action. They knew everything, or most things, very knowledgeable, but they didn't do anything with that knowledge. I was just talking to the kids in kids' church today. I said, you know, with everything that that we're learning and being thankful, right, and, and, you know, we're learning to, to show appreciation and thankfulness, can you imagine you're learning and you're growing, but you have... It's like a sponge, and you, you have a full sponge with all the water, and, and God's blessing you, and you're thankful to God. But if you don't show that thankfulness to other people, what's going to happen to that sponge? And one of them said, it's going to grow old. It's going to grow stagnant. It's going to be dirty. And then they said, it's going to be smelly. <laughs> right? Right? As a Christian, you could have all the knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. If you're not taking the knowledge and you're, you're not dispersing it, if you're not showing thankfulness to others, if you're not giving, being a giver, right? Christ was a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave. As Christians, we're, we have to be Christ-like. Are we giving? Are we dispersing the knowledge that we have? Because a misconception here. Is knowledge puff us up, but also the the having all the knowledge, it does not mean that you're spiritual. And that's a dangerous position. They might put themselves in no with no, they're not applying anything, then they become more deceived about their spiritual condition. The more you grow and the more you get knowledge, if you don't realize where you're at, if you're not keeping accounts with God and accounts with Who you are, you could be easily deceived and not know it. Why? Oh, I have all this knowledge. I have all this wisdom. I have all this understanding in the scriptures and can explain everything to the T. But you're deceiving your own self. So that's a misconception. The Pharisees, they knew the first five books of the Bible, memorized. But they didn't believe in Christ. Misconception number five: Spiritual growth has nothing to do with outwardly successful ministry activity. So, you could have a ministry, thousands of people. You could have a ministry within the church that maybe is thriving, maybe is growing. It's one of the, maybe the newer ministries in the church and it's growing, it's thriving, and everyone's, like, hey man, wow, man. Man, it's going great. That's a, man. Visitors are coming, right? Everything you're doing, is, man, is awesome. That might feel good, and you might equate that to growth. Man, man, I'm doing. I must be doing good. Man, I must be close to God. But you know what? The person that does the work, the Bible says, "For without me, ye could do nothing." Right? God is the one that brings the increase. He's the one that brings the increase. The busy people, let's say, because they're so busy, they might neglect the time to spend with him. So a misconception is spiritual growth has nothing to do with outwardly successful ministry activity. Number six, spiritual growth is not mystical sentimental or psychological. It does not stem from a once-for-all act religious decision or an emotional uh, experience. You know, it's like, hey, man, I saw saw a shadow of Jesus on a tree. So because I saw this crazy, that that must be Jesus, sorry, boy, I got saved. You know, my life changed. Thank God for the tree, right? No, nothing mystical, you know, some crazy experience, like that doesn't mean that you're spiritual or you have spiritual growth. It's not something mystical. Um, Rather, as physical growth results from the process of taking in food, so also spiritual growth results from the process of taking in God's truth. We got to take his word in. We got to eat his word up. We have to not only take it in, we have to believe it, but we have to apply it. That's where we can get growth. It's one thing to hear something, but it's another thing to take it, understand it, and do. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Jesus also quoted Moses when he, when he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. See, it's not a mystical, sentimental, psychological experience. It's the only way you're going to get growth is hearing his word, receiving his word, and applying it. That's the only way we're going to grow. So I want us to get back to uh, the passage of Scripture. So we're, we're back to 1 John. Again, I talked, you know, about how important it is for us to grow, and we all should grow, right? Getting back to the passage of Scripture, the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, placed this paragraph here to give assurance and comfort to his readers that they were true children of God. Unlike the false teacher, counterfeits, believers who tried to threaten them. With all, of, uh, with all that, John had addressed his, in his letter. So already the things some of the things that we were already understanding through the, the book of John is, you know, he addressed the belief in Christ. And you know, that's something he addressed. He addressed, you know, recognition of sin already in 1 John. The test of obedience is something that we talked about. And love, loving others, loving our enemies, loving, loving those around us. We need to love everybody. The apostle wanted to confirm the, authentic, the authenticity of his readers' salvation. So we're talking about authentic, being authentic, right? Authentic salvation, right? He was giving them a, re, a reassurance that they can have eternal life, or they have eternal life. And there's a paragraph in... In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen, John is saying, listen, there's a way that you can know that you can have eternal life. By believing on his word, by believing on the Son of God, Jesus, there's a way that you can have eternal life. It's here. And listen, you guys have it. Forget about the false teachers. Forget about all those that are trying to deceive you. listen. You have eternal life, and you have it through the Son of God. Obviously, not all original or current readers of this letter that we're reading here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, they're not all at the same spiritual maturity. There's three types of individuals in this passage. Some are spiritual infants. Some are spiritual adults. So those are the type of individuals, and again, we'll go over the three. In order to effectively encourage all recipients, John began this very definitive section with a general reassurance. So we're going to go over general reassurance and a couple more, and then we'll be done, right? I think that's right. I don't even have my clock on me right now, so I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. So general reassurance, after which he gave specific reassur- reassurance. So these are the three categories, the little children, young men, and fathers. So little children, obviously that's all children. Young men is young men and ladies, and then we have fathers, and we could apply that to ladies as well, right? So First John chapter 2, verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. The word little children in Greek, technia, Means born ones, speaking of offspring in a general sense without regard for age. By using this term, the apostles, the apostle was addressing all who were true offspring of God at any level of spiritual maturity. So, first John chapter two, right? Just the first couple words there I write unto you, little children. So, he's addressing everyone, all born ones, all of us that were born. He's writing to all them that were born. They all can read this. They all understand this is for them, and he's trying to give them a reassurance. Right? He's saying, "Little children, right? Whether you are, you know, mourning over a, a spiritual condition that you're going on, whether you, you know, trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you had a transformed life by the Holy Spirit, whether you lived in uh, in the obedience in God's Word, or whether you show sincere love for another. Listen, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. That's what his focus was on. He was focusing on those believers. From the Bible's perspective, there are two spiritual families. So the first spiritual family are the children of God. The second spiritual family are the children of Satan. These are the two families. God's children do not love Satan's family or give their allegiance to the word he controls. Instead, they grow, every, we're supposed to grow, though not all at the same rate or with equal consistency. And their love for the Lord, a love that will manifest itself in heartfelt obedience and service. So listen, we all have to grow, right? And I will say this to you. You can either have one of two things. You could either have spiritual growth, or you could have worldly growth. Either way, you're going to grow. It's just a matter of which way you're going to grow. And then I'll tell you what, the more you have that worldly growth, it's going to take more time and more effort to get back to where you were spiritually. It's going to take some time. But that's why it's important that we all need to grow. The Bible states all believers, no matter where they are in their spiritual growth, have been forgiven of all sin. Right? We were just... Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I write unto you, little children, the next thing we're going to see is because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. See, our sins are forgiven. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. He's the one that cleanses us. He's the one that forgives us. And then I want you to look at for his name's sake. So when I was studying this, I thought, man, this was so interesting. This is so cool. He's going to forgive us all the time. Even though we do so many wrong things, he's going to forgive us. Why? Why would he do that? Right? If, if Levi kept sinning and sinning, like, you know, not now, but when he gets older, like, he's going to get it. You know? And, I mean, I might not forgive him for, you know, for a little bit, but then, you know, maybe in time. I mean, I'm, I'm not there yet, so. Um, but I think of God like, listen, God's going to forgive us. Why? But why? Why is he going to forgive us? It says it here. He's going to forgive us for his name's sake. See, God has a lot on the line. God has a lot of pressure. You, you talk about pressure and, and being in the hot seat. Right now there's a couple coaches, I would assume, that are on the hot seat. Maybe in like the Philadelphia area, Maybe. Might be in the hot seat after the Dolphins sit. I just found, I, can, I, I can't believe. But yeah, Pastor's a Dolphins fan, so that's that's cool, right? But I know in, in, in Dallas, I was hoping that that hot seat blew up because I wanted my coach to kind of hit the road, but he's still there. But you think of forgiveness, right? His name's sake. See, Christ has a lot on the line. He has a lot of pressure each and every day. He has to fulfill, and he has to follow through. But you know what, he's... He loves it because it's for his name's sake. And when just just doing this study here, Isaiah 48, verse 11, it says, For my own sake, even for my own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another? That expression refers to God's glory. He's doing it because it's his glory. God's glory is the reason why he forgives us. He forgives us because of not you, not what you did. He's forgiven you because of who he is. And his glory, that's why he forgives us. There are scores of verses. There was a lot, and we could have went through it. There's so many verses. I just picked one that talk about his glory, and and that's the overarching reason for everything he does. And what does he do? He forgives. He forgives us. He's ready to forgive and forget. And move on. Let's move on. Let's let's grow. I don't want you to pause. I don't want you to stop. I want you to just come to me, and I'm going to forgive you, and I don't want you to stop where you're at. I want you to grow. I want you to keep moving forward. I want you to continually grow. I want nothing to, to stop you. When someone... there's a a quote, like, when in doubt, stand still. God doesn't want you to doubt him. God wants you to believe in him. God wants you to trust him. He says, be still and know that I'm God, trusting in God to to go through and, and to follow through, but he wants you to grow with your faith in him because he'll deliver you. He'll help you. God forgives. He forgives sinners because it pleases him to glory His name by manifesting his super abundant grace, mercy, and power. Him forgiving has nothing to do with us, but how good he is. He is a God of a second chance. He is in the restoring business. He is into picking up the pieces and making a change. Not because of you or me but because of his name's sake. God is good, man. He is so good. Next thing I want us to see is assurance to spiritual children. Assurance to spiritual children. So I want you to look at the second part, not the first part of verse 13, but the second part of 1 John 2, 13. I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. The term rendered children, padea in the Greek, is different from the term rendered Little children, which is technia, not born ones. This one's referring, uh, this is different, that term rendered, in verse 12. More specifically, it's for young children, not little ones. This one's young children, those still under parental instruction. Such children are ignorant and immature and in need of care and guidance, right? Can I have a parent say amen to that, right? Immature. Immature spiritual children are those who know the father. They know the mother, right? Again, like my son knows who his mama is and who his papa is. He knows. But he just has a basic understanding of who we are. He doesn't know us. He has a basic understanding. And as a baby born... Uh, Young, you know, young ones. He 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 has that basic knowledge. Babes in Christ are consumed with their newfound relationship to God and Savior, but they are still they still are infants who have yet to feast on the nourishing spiritual meat of sound doctrine. They are prone to weaknesses and uh, subtle to dangers. They are all too often mo- motivated by fleshly desires and lack discernment to avoid. What is harmful and what pursue, and I'm sorry, what is harmful and pursue what is beneficial. They often naively attach themselves to spiritual heroes or favorite teachers, and they did it in the Bible. Paul reprimanded that. I am of, of, of Apollos. I am of Paul. He reprimanded that. Spiritual children also lack discernment and are vulnerable to the allurements of deceivers and their. Heretical doctrines. That's why Paul warned the Ephesians. And for time's sake, we won't uh, talk about in Ephesians. But see, babes babes in Christ are young. You you think of young kids, right? No one really under the age of 18, and probably even over 18, right? Making their own decisions, and they're going to mess up big time. They're going to be influenced by potentially wrong people. Right? It's it's hard for them to be on their own. You know even people in their 20s. Maturity, right? It's natural, right? People are going to make mistakes. They're going to be deceived. Why? Cuz they're babes in Christ. They're young ones. The next thing I want us to see is assurance to spiritual young men. Spiritual young men. So we'll take a look at verse 13, says, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. And then in verse 14, the, the second part of that is, I have, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So he's talking about the young men right now. This relationship takes from a basic relationship to a biblical Relationship spiritual young men have advanced to be concerned with the clarity of doctrine. They also have an understanding of spiritual truth. They're growing. They're there, and there's growth, and they're not the babes anymore. But they're more established. They understand the growth. The Bible says in, in uh, Psalm chapter one nineteen verse eleven, the Bible says, "Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee." Psalm chapter one verse two says in. His law doth he meditate day and night. Listen, this person that's talking about meditating day and night and having his, the word in his heart, that's an individual that is a young man or young lady. They're understanding the doctrine. They understand that, listen, I need to grow, and listen, I'm on this level. They have outgrown the elementary struggles, often associated with new Christians, some of those spiritual struggles. And I know sometimes we sing a song on the bus The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. When we were at college, we kind of changed up the song a little bit. We would say, the things I used to do, I still do them in the dorms. The things I used to do, I still do them in the dorms. So we kind of changed it a little bit, but, I mean, hopefully that that wasn't the case, right? But you think of spiritual growth, right? We need to grow. We need to be young men and young ladies, and they understood that they had a biblical worldview now. They understood doctrine. They were mature. Um, They have a mature love for truth and a desire to proclaim and defend it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth see that individual they see listen there's an importance of studying why because I need to grow I need to have that authentic growth I need to be growing that's what he that's what they see and they were rightly dividing the word of truth because the word of God abides in those that at this stage they are strong in doctrinal truth ephesians four thirteen through sixteen says until we come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every one of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love uh, that may grow up in all Unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in, in the measure of every part maketh intercession of the body unto edifying of itself in love. See, as a result, that young man, because they saw the importance in that, they were able to overcome the wicked one. They were able to overcome the the different schemes that Satan was trying trying to cause with false teachers. They saw that that was a way that Satan would try to get them. So young men are sound in doctrine. I want you to think about this. Are we sound in doctrine? Do we know what we believe? If someone said, hey, what do you believe about this? Can you say, well, the Bible says, and give them an answer. If that's not the case, and listen, I don't know all the answers. I need to continue to learn the Bible. But the thing is, we all have to have a desire to want to grow and to want to get in the word, right? None of us have arrived. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and I won't talk about, I, we won't read that verse, but it talks about how there's principalities and wickedness in high places, and we're, not, we're fighting a fight that's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, the devil's doing everything he can to try to devour us. You know, he walketh about as a roaring lion. He's, he's trying to ruin our life. We need to decide that, listen, we're going to be young men, right, and we're going to know our doctrine, and we're not going to be deceived. We're going to want to grow, and we're going to continue to grow. So spiritual young men know truth and can fight against error. They can defend and guard the truth. The last thing I want us to look at is assurance to spiritual fathers. So we'll look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, the first part of that, and then the first part of 14. I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Verse 14, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. So the third stage of spiritual growth is when believers do not merely understand doctrine intellectually. They understand it, but they have come to know him. They know who Christ is. They really know him. It's one thing to, hey, I, hey I, yeah, I've seen them before. Right? When you you know, I remember just even a couple, probably about a year ago, we went to the L.A. airport, and we saw Andre Iguodala. If you're a basketball fan, you'll know who that is. So he, he's on the Golden State Warriors. Well, he was on the Warriors. He won a couple championships. He actually was on the Philadelphia 76ers, too. So I, we saw him. Like, he walked by as we are waiting for our car, right? And, you know, I wound up following him, all creepy, right, followed him and said, hey, Andre. Actually I actually said it kinda of low because there was a lot of people around, but he was really tall. So I went up to him and said, Hey, hey Andre, could I get a picture? And he looked at me and then he looked around. I said, Okay, cool. And he wound up taking a picture. My wife and I were in it. But so like I could say I met Andre Iguodala, but I don't know him. Like I don't have a relationship with him. When we have spiritual growth, we like I know Let's say I know all of Andre Iguodala's stats. I know when he got drafted. I know what school he went to. I know the teams he played on. I know know everything about him in my head, but I don't know him. Like, do you know God? Right? Someone that's a spiritual father, and again, John's writing to the father, to these fathers. Listen, they not only had the knowledge, but they knew him. Paul, he said there was different ways that he was able to know him. And, you know, honestly, like this kind of hurts, like to even talk about this subject. But like when you really know God, like you're going to go through a lot of hard stuff. Right. Christ went to the cross. He went to the cross. Listen, there's probably been times in your life where you don't understand why, why things happen the way they happened, And listen, no one could give you an explanation of why they happened, you know, why you went through that. But listen, God knows why you went through that. He wanted you to be a a father or a mother in this this conversation. He wanted you to be spiritually strong. He didn't want you to just learn about him. He wanted you to know him and what he went through. We're going to go through hard, hard times, but you know what? According to the Bible, it's okay. It's okay that you went through those hard times because you're going to intimately be vulnerable and intimately know God. So in a sense, the most mature saints have come full circle with the emphasis of their Christian lives, again, on their relationship with the eternal God who has been from the beginning, which, again, is what we just touched on in 13 and 14. The fathers knew him from the beginning. A quote. No pain, no gain. How are we going to get stronger? We got to go through the pain. And I hate it. Again, I got to work out again. It's going to stink. Again, I tried last week. I tried one day. You know, I ran on a treadmill for probably like 20 minutes. Like, it wasn't anything fast. It's probably moderate, like a fast walk, right? But it, it wore me out. And then lifting, lifting weights, like I felt good that day. But tell you what, for the next five days, I felt pain. I'm like, nah, I'm not trying to go back. So I feel good now. So hopefully this week, you know, I can start, a, you know, fresh and anew, right? God, He's a God of a second chance. So I'll get a second chance this week at LA Fitness, right? But again that we can know him, ways you can know him. Are you studying? Are you memorizing? Are you meditating? Are you applying the Bible's truths in every situation? Christians are transformed in the image of God by the power of the Spirit. The the Spirit is the one that can change a life, right? He's the teacher of all things, as they continue to grow in their life and and their life, the goal is to be spiritual fathers. That's our goal. Listen, you might say, Pastor, well, I'm a babe in Christ. Listen, it's okay. But if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not being better, you're only, again, you're going to grow worldly and more worldly. Let's be, if you're a babe, let's become a young man or a young lady if you're there you need to be a father if you're a father the bible talks about that we need to be continually growing each and every day even if you think hey listen according to what the bible's saying i think i'm, I'm a father here right we need to continue to grow jesus desired that believers would know god not in a superficial way nor in an academic sense only but with supernatural intimacy made possible only by lifetime obedience to him and his word. Each and every day, even if you are considered a father, again, we need to grow. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My last question to you is, are you growing? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.